0: Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to to worship you in song tonight. Lord, the opportunity you've given us to worship you as we pray to you. And Lord, as we hear your word, I pray that you would speak to each one in this room. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. And Lord Jesus, that you would speak through your word tonight. And that you would give each one of us a word from your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for braving the storm. That storm came out of nowhere. I had no idea it was coming until I looked outside and saw everything getting wet. So I'm grateful to see you all here this evening. If you're new and this is your first time, we're walking through the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And we're walking through each week and looking at each of the the items listed within the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to say this every week. If you've been here every week, you've heard this every week, but I'm going to keep saying it. The fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist that we have as Christians in order how to be a good Christian. I'm going to keep saying that because I think it's important to remind ourselves that this is not a list of our expectations as followers of Jesus. This is not a list of the things that we need to do if we're going to be good Christians. Rather, the fruit of the Spirit represents what our life will look like when we are walking with the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is just that. It is fruit of walking with the Spirit. And Jesus said in Matthew 12:33 that either you make the tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And what he's saying there is that if you have a tree, a good tree, a good apple tree, it's going to produce good apples. If you have a bad apple tree, it's going to produce bad apples. In the same way, you and I, in the way we live our lives, we are always producing fruit. Every day of our lives, the choices that we make, the things that we do, people that look around us and they see us, maybe it's more obvious to other people than it is to us sometimes, but there is fruit that is being produced in our lives. And the question is, what type of fruit is it? Is it the fruit of the Spirit, or is it the fruit of our flesh? You see, the flesh and the Spirit are at constant odds with each other. As long as we're on this, this earth, we will be constantly fighting with the battle between our flesh our flesh. And walking with the Spirit. And the only way the Bible tells us to succeed in resisting the desires of our flesh isn't by working harder and trying to be a better Christian. The only way to avoid the desires of our flesh is by walking by the Spirit and to follow the way of the Lord. The Bible says in Galatians five sixteen, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, we all pretty instinctively know the difference when we see somebody that is spirit-led and spirit-filled versus somebody that's filled with their own flesh, that's filled with the world. But here in this passage, Paul gives us a very clear listing of what it looks like to walk in the flesh. He says in verses 19 and following, Now, the, the deeds of the flesh, they're evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now we recognize all those things when we read that. We recognize those as things that are not good. And we see those things in the world all the time, whether it be drunkenness or anger or immorality or jealousy. We see these things and we know they are not good. And those are things, that is not the goal in how we are to live our lives. But unfortunately, those things do pop up in our lives and all around us all the time because we still have that flesh that is waging a war within us. But the Bible says that when we walk with the Lord, our life will look different. What is the fruit of walking by the Spirit? He says in 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. So if that is the fruit that we are to produce in our lives, how do we get it? The Bible is clear that that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to have the fruit of the flesh. We're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we do it? The Bible tells us by walking by the Spirit. And from a practical perspective, what does that look like? What does that mean? That means that we are to walk with Jesus. We are to listen to what Jesus said and we are to do what Jesus said, in fact that 's exactly what Jesus said, and we read this last week in John fifteen four and five Jesus said, "Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing now here 's the truth of the matter is that no matter how much you try, no matter how good you are, Jesus says that you can do nothing on your own. Apart from him, there's nothing that you can accomplish. And in fact, anything good in your life that you accomplish apart from Jesus, Jesus says at the end of time, that will equate to exactly nothing. And that the things in our life that we are able to accomplish on our own, Jesus says they're all just going to be burned up at the end. And the only way we are to bear good fruit in our life, if we abide in Jesus, And we were to walk with him. That is the only way we will be able to produce real, long-lasting fruit in our lives. So tonight we're going to talk about peace. We talked about love, joy. Tonight we're going to talk about peace. Now the reality is, as we look around the world around us, there's not a whole lot of peace in this world. There's always talk of another war. There's always talk of, of fighting between Republicans and Democrats and this group and that group. And there's just violence all around us and there's very little peace. But we're going to read tonight on what Jesus, who's called the Prince of Peace, has to say about how we can walk in peace. But when you look around the world, one thing it's, it's sometimes hard to reconcile is that as we look at the world, sometimes we see people who are walking very much according to the flesh. They are walking according to the ways of the world, yet they seem to be prospering more and more every day. You look at people who are not walking with the Lord, they're walking quite opposite away from the Lord, yet they seem to have it all together and they seem to be living a great life. I want to read this passage in, in Psalm 49 and he's going to talk here about a rich person, but in contextually when you look at the Psalm, it's talking about somebody who gets rich by, by seeking themselves and seeking their own ways and trusting in themselves. Listen to what the Bible says about this person. Do not be afraid when a man becomes rich. For the glory of his house is increased, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not descend after him. Though while he lives, he congratulates himself. And though men praise you when you do well for yourselves, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see the light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like a beast that perishes. And what the Bible says there is that somebody in this world that looks like they have it all together and looks like they are enjoying quite a lot of peace. It's, it's a mirage. It's, a, it's smoke and mirrors. The fact is that they don't have true peace. And in fact, when they get to the end of their life, they will have nothing. It all goes away. Apart from Jesus, you will never experience true peace. Apart from Jesus, you will never experience a peace that is real. When you look around and you see people who are seemingly enjoying that peace and that prosperity apart from the Lord, it is a lie of Satan that keeps people comfortable and content in their lives so that they do not even realize their need for Jesus. And so we're going to look tonight at what it looks like to sow to the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit and thus reap the fruit of peace. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this also he will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What Paul is saying there is that if you are sowing to the flesh, it might look like you have it together, but God is not deceived, God's not being tricked in the matter, and justice will come in the end. God is not mocked. What you reap, you will also sow. There is so much in Scripture that speaks to this idea of reaping and sowing and reaping and bearing fruit and growing fruit and producing fruit in our lives. It's almost like the whole Bible wants us to produce fruit in our lives that looks like the Lord. So, tonight, as we look at peace, I want us to look specifically at what Jesus himself says about peace. This is right before Jesus went on to die at the cross, and so he was giving final words to his disciples, and he says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not let it be fearful. Now, you'll see tonight I've got two points I want us to look at from this text, and you'll see that these are not fancy. I'm not a fancy preacher, I'm not somebody that is going to wow you with my intellect, but I do want you to see very clearly what the Bible says about peace. And not just what the Bible says about peace, but how we can experience peace in this life. So the first thing I want to see, Jesus says it right here. Jesus gives peace. When we look for peace in this world, the only place that we're going to be able to find it is in Jesus. He says, peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be fearful. If you want to experience peace in your life, Jesus says that he has already given it and made it available to you. As he was ending his earthly ministry, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that this peace was already freely available. He wasn't holding on to it. When Jesus would ascend to the Father, he wouldn't take his peace with Him. He was giving it to his disciples and to his followers. And notice that Jesus didn't just leave us with peace. He specifically says, peace I give to you, my peace. I give to you. You have the ability as a follower of Jesus not just to experience peace, but to experience the peace of Jesus in your life. And in Scripture we have a very clear picture of what that peace actually looks like. I love this story. In Mark chapter four, thirty-five, and following, it says, On that day when evening came, Jesus had just been teaching and uh, doing ministry alongside the multitudes, and on that day after all that evening came, he said to them, Let us go to the other side of the of the sea. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And there was a, arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up. They said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind. and He said, hush, be still. And the wind calmed down, died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid, and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That is the type of peace that Jesus is offering you tonight. When the entire world seemed like it was crashing down and the boat seemed like it was going to sink, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. He wasn't worried because Jesus had already told them at the beginning of this passage, we're going to the other side. Jesus had already told his disciples that we're going to make it. So no matter what storm popped up, Jesus was not concerned about it because he knew in faith that they were going to get to the other side. And if his disciples had been listening, they would have heard, we're going to get to the other side. See, Jesus was not asleep because he was aloof. Jesus was not asleep because he wasn't paying attention. Jesus was asleep in that boat because of a peace that he had that we can have today. A peace knowing that the Lord had him in their hand and that the Lord was not going to let them be lost. Paul talks about that kind of peace in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What he's saying there, don't be afraid about everything, anything. Do not fear, but you can have a peace that passes all understanding, just like Jesus had in that boat. And when you have that, that, that peace in your life, the people around you aren't going to understand why you have such peace and quite honestly, you're probably not going to understand it either. Last week, we passed a microphone around, and we're going to do that more some this fall. And just to hear testimony of what the Lord has done in people's lives. And, and multiple times in this room, we heard a story of somebody had cancer and how the Lord carried them through. And the Lord, in the midst of hearing the word cancer, the Lord gave them a peace that passes all understanding that was guarding their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. See, no matter what you are going through in this life, if you are saved, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you can have the peace of Jesus. And if you abide in Jesus and if you follow him and walk by the Spirit, and that just means you spend time with him, you listen to his word, and you do what he tells you to do. If you do that, the Bible says that you can have peace. It doesn't matter what what you're going through. The Bible says that God is holding on to you and that you have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that you are going to get to the other side. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through the storms. It doesn't mean that hard things aren't going to happen. But you are going to get to the other side. And if you believe that, like really believe that, then you'll show peace in your life. One that doesn't make any sense to anybody else. See, when we walk with the Spirit, that is what comes out of us. That is a fruit that will be produced in our lives. We don't have to try to do anything. We don't have to try to create that peace. We don't have to try to figure it out and make it happen. When we walk with Jesus, that is the peace that he gives us. So do you not have peace in your life? Are you always worried about something? Are things constantly, whether it be a stock market or something in the news or whatever it is, is that having you worried? I want to encourage you to walk in the Spirit. And if you don't know what that means, and you've never come to the point in your life where you've truly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please do not leave here tonight without making that decision. He is the only one that can give you that true peace. I'd love to talk to you after this night is over. I know Sam would as well, and most anybody in this room would. If you have a question tonight about what it means to follow Jesus, please do not leave without talking to somebody in this room about following Jesus. He can give you the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus will give you not just peace in this world. Jesus will give you his peace. So we see first that Jesus gives us peace from this passage and the second thing is goes alongside it and it's very simple. The world gives fear and death. See when we reap to the spirit when we reap and and reap to, or sorry, when we sow to the Spirit and sow to time with Jesus and abide with Jesus, He gives us peace. But when we sow to the world and we sow to our flesh, all we will end up with is fear and ultimately death. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. I don't give what the world gives. So, because of that, do not let your heart be troubled, do not let it be fearful. See, this world is very wicked. And though the world promises peace and prosperity, it will always lead us to fear and death. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this, but each one of us, when he is tempted, he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. That means you see something that looks good and see something promising. You see a promise of something in this world and you see it and you're enticed by it and you go after it. Then when that lust has conceived... It gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, when sin has its full effect in your life, it brings forth death. Dr. Rogers used to say it this way. Sin fascinates and then assassinates. And that's the truth of what this world offers. It looks so good. It looks like it's the promise. It looks like everything you're looking for. But once it gets its hook in you, it leads to fear and to death. Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus, when he was in his temptation in the wilderness, three times Satan came to him and offered him the riches of this world and offered him a shortcut, offered him food. He was hungry, offered him to not have to go through the suffering of Calvary. But Jesus knew that each one of those was a lie and a shortcut that would not end where he thought it would end. See, Satan was telling him, you bow down before me in all the kingdoms of the world. I'll go ahead and give it to you. You don't have to die for it. And Jesus knew that if that is what he had done, if he had bowed before Satan then it wouldn't lead to the kingdoms of this world. It would lead to death and nothing good. Another person that understood that was Judas. Judas was one of Jesus' followers, and he was constantly frustrated that Jesus wasn't bringing the kingdom on earth that he thought. And, and Judas had a lot of issues. The Bible said that he would steal from the money bag of the disciples, and he would spend it on himself and take it for himself. He was mad when when, they, when the lady would would break the expensive oil and perfume and pour it on Jesus, anointing Jesus, because he wanted the money for himself. And he wanted an earthly kingdom and a kingdom of riches. And he was seeking after that. He thought that's what would satisfy. So what did he do? He betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And as soon as he does it, he sees Jesus betrayed, and he's instantly filled with regret. He tries to give the money back to the, to the high priest, and they wouldn't even take it back. They didn't even want it. They didn't want the blood money. And what it lead to? It led to Judas living a life of fear that would lead to his death. He would go and hang himself with the guilt and the regret that he felt from the sin that he had experienced. When you sow to your flesh, when you sow to this world, you will get fear and you will get death. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief, the enemy, he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. See, Satan comes and he tells us all the time that we can have anything we want. But in reality, his only desire is to put fear and death in our hearts. Jesus is the one that has come to give us life, an abundant life, everything that we need. The Bible says, talks about how... The evil world system and how Satan blinds the eyes of those who are not followers of Jesus said, uh, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The gospel doesn't make sense to those who do not believe. In whose case the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Bible says that Satan is actively working in this world and he is going around and blinding people to the truth and the peace of the gospel. The true peace that only comes through Jesus, Satan is blinding people to that every single day. But when we come to Jesus, he gives us peace, not just peace, but his peace. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. It's coming. But you can take courage, you can be brave, because I have already overcome the world. You see, this world is offering you things left and right every day, but it will not deliver what it promises. It never will. Only Jesus can give peace. There's an interesting word in the the Old Testament, and I don't know a whole lot of Hebrew. I'll tell you this, I took three semesters of Hebrew, and I don't even know the alphabet, if that tells you how great of a Hebrew student I was. But there is one word I know you hear pastor talk about it all the time. It's the word shalom. In shalom, we translate that a lot of times as peace. But the thing about shalom, and any time you're translating from one language to another, you always pick a word, you know, shalom means peace, and this is how we're going to translate it. But the word shalom has much deeper meaning than just peace. If you look it up in a, in a Hebrew dictionary, it would define it as peace and harmony and wholeness and completeness, prosperity, Welfare, tranquility. And you look at what Bible says that God offers his peace. It's so much more than an artificial surface level peace where you just think it's going to be okay today. No matter what you're going through, the Bible says that that peace that passes all understanding can walk you through anything because it is the peace of God. There's a story in the Old Testament. I love this story. Second Kings chapter 4, verses 8 and following. I want to read you the story, and then we'll wrap up. It says, One day Elisha, who's a prophet of God, he went to Shunem. And a prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. And then he said to her husband, she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is he, he's a holy man of God. So let's make a small walled-up upper room and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. That way, whenever he comes, he can stay there. One day, Elisha was coming through, and he stopped at the upstairs room to lie down. He ordered his attendant, Gehazi. He said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her, and she stood before him. And he said this to Gehazi. Say to her, look, you've gone to so much trouble. You've done so much for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king? I have an audience with him. I can, I can talk if you have a trouble. Can I speak to the commander of the army? Are you having trouble? What, what is it that you need? And she said this, I am living among my own people. And what she's saying there is, I have everything I need. I'm living at peace in my home with my people. I know you can talk to the king. I know you can talk to the commander of the army. I don't need anything. I have what I need. So he asked, then what should be we, should we done for her? And Gehazi, his assistant, answered and said, well, she has no son. And her husband is old. Call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. And Elisha told her this. At this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. She said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. See, this is something that she would have desired deeply with all of her heart. But the Lord had never given her. And when she heard Elisha saying that you're going to have this son, it was too good to be true. And she's like, don't play with my emotions. Don't tell me this if this isn't going to be true. Because I have learned to be content, I have learned to trust the Lord. But do not tell me this if this is not true. The Bible says the woman conceived, and she gave birth to a son at the same time the following year, as Elisha had promised her. Now the child grew, and one day he went out to his father, and the harvester, suddenly he complained to his father, My head, my head. His father told his servant, carry him to his mother. That's probably what most fathers would do in that situation. And his father told his servant, carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and took him to the mother. And the child sat on her lap until noon. And then he died. She went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in and left. And she summoned her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can hurry to the man of God and come back again. But he said, why go to him today? It's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. In other words, there's no ritual. There's no sacrifice to be made. Why do you need the man of God? Why would you go to him? And she replied, it is well. The word there is shalom. She'd go on and say that she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, go fast. Don't slow the pace for me until I tell you. So she came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her at a distance, he was confused as to why he saw her. He sent his attendant Gehazi. He said, look, there's a Shunammite woman run out to meet her and ask, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? What's wrong? Why are you coming? And even then her answer was, it's all right. It is well. Shalom. If you know the story, it goes on that Elisha would go and he would pray over this boy and the Lord would raise this boy back from the dead because of the faith of this woman. Now this woman knew and she lived very close to the Lord and she was wanting to serve the the prophets of God and And was doing everything she could in this life. And God gave her a child. And when God took the child away, even that moment, she was able to say, I have peace. All is well. It's going to be all right. She didn't know that her son was going to be raised. She hoped he would. But she didn't know it would be the case. But even in that moment, she was able to say, it is well. She had a peace that passed all understanding. Not even her husband understood the peace that she had in that moment. But she was walking with the Lord, and she bore fruit by walking with the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit of peace. A few years ago, 2019, was a, a crazy beginning of a crazy whirlwind year for our family. So we discovered that year that my wife was pregnant with twins. And when we discovered that, our second child was six months old. And so it was a little bit of a surprise. We were going to the to the first appointment of the doctor and the last thing my wife Rose said before we got out of the appointment, we, we didn't know it was twins at the time, and she was talking about how young Augie is, and now we're about to have another baby, and she said, it's going to be like having twins, and we get out and go to the doctor, and they say, guess how many? And she says, how many what? And like, how many babies? And it was two babies, and we get back in the car, and she says, it's going to be like having triplets. So it was the beginning of a whirlwind year for our family. So that November, November 6th, the girls were born. Our twin girls were born. And then our oldest son, Asa, was uh, about a month away from turning uh, three years old. So I always tell people we had four kids, two and under. And so it was a chaotic season, but it was a lot of fun. Well, that December, we had the singing Christmas tree at Bellevue. And Asa, our oldest, played Boy Jesus that year. And so he did a, a great job, the best that's ever played the role, in my opinion. And that year we also had the, uh, our twins were baby Jesus. They were alternating every night. And so Rose was coming up and, and all our kids were in the tree that year. And Augie was one of the little shepherd boys. And so our whole family was in tree. And I was working with, with media and our video team and was directing the video for the show. And at a certain point each night, I would get to to the point in the script where I would walk away from my duties and walk down to Asa's dressing room and walk him out backstage so he could get to stage. And one night, I, the second last show, I, I go down there, and as I'm approaching the, the dressing room, a lady stopped me and said, hey, your son had an accident and he hurt his leg. And so I walk in there and what I discovered, well, we didn't know what happened yet, but he was laying down, he was, he was pale, he was not talking, he was not himself. So we would take him to the hospital and that night we would We took him over to Baptist Children's, and they did an x-ray. He was in a lot of pain, and they came back, and they said, his femur is broken. So he broke his femur. Now, I've never broken a bone, but I've heard that a femur is probably the most uh, painful bone for somebody to break. And and he was in a whole lot of pain. And it began a nine-week journey of Asa being totally immobile. In a body cast, essentially, from his stomach, you can see there, to the bottom of his foot. He wasn't able to, to walk. Towards the end of it, it made us really nervous, but he had learned to walk in it after nine weeks. And so we were begging them to take the cast off before he broke something else. But for nine weeks, he was stuck in this cast, unable to move. And I'll never forget that night, because we finished the tree. When it happened, it was probably around nine o'clock when we went to the hospital. And we stayed at that first hospital until about two o'clock in the morning before they transported us via ambulance to Le Bonheur, for him to have his surgery to, to fix his leg. And all night that night, he was afraid and he was, he was scared, not knowing what was going to happen. He was in pain. But there was a chorus that was in the singing Christmas tree that year that kept coming to mind. And all night, I would sing this song to Asa. And this chorus, this short little chorus, about 15 seconds, over and over again. And it would bring him peace. In those moments when I'd sing it, he would stop crying. He would just look at me, and he would know that it was going to be okay. song went like this. Do not be afraid. Every word is true. From the moment you believed, he'll always carry you. And all night till 2 o'clock when we went to the, to Le Bonheur Hospital, and then the next morning until about 7 when they took him for a surgery, about every 15 minutes at least, we would sing that song together. And peace would fill that room in a way that I cannot explain. See, I was walking in that very confusing time and and my wife was at home with the the younger three kids and we're here not knowing what this is going to be. Asa was having to be put under an anesthesia he had never been put under before. And there was a lot of questions about what this was going to look like. But even in that moment, the Lord was faithful to bring peace to that room. Not just any peace, the peace of Jesus. And it's in those moments that you need that peace in your life, and Jesus says that He will give it to you if you walk with Him. So no matter what you, here's the thing: we don't know what's coming tonight. I don't know what I'm going to walk into when I walk home when I get to my house tonight. I don't know what's going to be happening tomorrow morning when I wake up. But the truth is, is that it doesn't really matter because I know whom I'm walking with, and he will give me peace. I want to pray for you, and we'll be out. In Numbers chapter 6, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he told them to pray a blessing over the Israelites. He says, you are to speak this over the Israelites. And when you do this, you will pronounce my name over the Israelites, and I will bless them. So tonight, as our closing prayer, I want to speak this blessing over you and ask that the Lord would do it for us as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look on fav- with favor upon you, and may he give you his peace. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your peace that passes all understanding We thank you that it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. If there's somebody here, Lord, that does not know that peace, I pray that you would not let them leave this room without talking to somebody about it. And, Lord, we thank you that even in the moments where we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when we're walking through difficult, dark situations, we will not fear because you are with us. You give us your peace. We thank you, Lord, for your peace and for what it does for us and pray that we would walk by the Spirit, And that you would produce the fruit of peace in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. We'll see you guys next week.